Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 162, I am joined by Stu Semigran. Stu is the co-founder and president of Educare Foundation. He is committed to helping youth realize and achieve their full potential by educating their hearts and minds. He has 30 years plus experience as an educator, a facilitator and trainer. Educare Foundation is a nationally recognized educational organization that provides high quality, heart-centered, after-school enrichment classes, youth development programs, parent workshops and professional development trainings in low-income communities. We have an amazing conversation about heart-based leadership and how we can connect with and develop our growth heart set. It's an incredible conversation. I hope that it inspires you in some way. It's episode 161 with Stu Semigran. Stu, welcome to the Always Best Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me today, Ryan. You're welcome. I love this one line that you share with your organization, and it's love is the foundation of education. Why is love the foundation of education? Gosh, probably the foundation of life. And uh, <laughs> I've always believed that our kids don't care how much we know. We've heard this until they know how much we care. Mm. And when the loving is established, there's happiness, there's health, there's joy, and there's interest in learning. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of creative curriculum. I'm a bigger fan of setting a culture and a place where kids know they're loved and they can experience that. That's really powerful. And, and I guess for clarity's sake, um, we're not talking about the emotion, the relational kind of type of love. We're talking about action orientated love that we can learn we can demonstrate and show for others exactly what does that look like how does how does one and this might be the the golden ticket but how how does one embrace uh, an element of leading with love yeah well when you you talk about love in terms of action in terms of behavior um and then leadership and how to take that into your leadership a, a lot of our foundation is how do you center it as a way of being before it even moves into a way of action and curriculum and activity. So how do you, the teacher, the parent, each of us carry that as our, as our breath, as our, as our movement, as our way. And we're going to be, of course, challenged at times, but if we carry that as a way of looking at life and, and the view and, and the energy that we hold, then leadership carries along with it. And uh, it becomes, a shared journey of leadership with those we work with, including our students, our children, our staffs. And so um, I look at uh, love as a way of uh, calling myself to point. <laughs> and I'm the one who has to start with, and I look at each of us, if it can start with us, just as peace starts with each of us, if love is ingrained and it's, it's a lifelong journey, then it really, ripples into the way we are with our kids. And they'll breathe that in, they'll see that, they know us more than what we say, they're watching us <laughs> and they're taking it in. 
And when that environment is created, so we talk a lot about a culture. How do you build a culture and an environment of compassion and kindness? And then actions naturally, authentically will move from that versus I have to do, and we have curriculum, but it's more than do this, do this, do this, but how do we ingrain it ourselves? Relate mm. to others through that. Yeah, I love that. I have I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and I've been listening to the work of Gabo Mate recently, um, and it's a book called Hold On To Your Kids. And, and in it, it, there's this one liner that was about um, that you have to have, you know, parenting as a skill, parenting as a technique is not effective unless you have attachment. And I thought, that's that's not just true in, in parenting. I imagine that's true in education and true in leadership. And it, and it all comes back to the very first phrase that you said is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And and let's talk a little bit about your organization. What are they what do you stand for? What what sort of change do you seek to bring to the world? Yeah. Well, our organization is Educare Foundation. We're now in year 32. My wife and I co-founded it, both coming out of teaching backgrounds, mm. her with elementary and me with high school and middle school. And the whole beginning had to do with how do we build awareness inside of uh, our inside of our our own practice but inside of our students how do we make kids and the way i used to phrase it orion was how do we wake them up to who <laughs> they are and what their lives could become their potential so it's not just about uh what's going on today with my girlfriend my parents but the the depth of what their life could hold for them and so we've grown over the years. We're now servicing about 30,000 youth, primarily in Southern California. We've serviced over 300,000 worldwide over the years. We've been to, you know, with Educare, a lot around after-school programs, but the main mission is building compassionate leaders. And then how do they give back into their communities, their families, and how do they take care of themselves? That's one of our basic premise. Take care of yourself in all facets, physically, emotionally, mentally, socially, spiritually, and then you're more equipped to really take care of your life and then give back in the ways you want to serve others. Yeah, we're not very good at that often, very are we? That <laughs> looking after self part is a it's a really key part of the component. How, where do we start? <laughs> well self-awareness is a key. Yeah. So we know when we're off track. Yeah. And we look at it through the the lens of physical, emotional, mental yeah social so how are we doing you know and how do we give in one of our tenants we, we talk about heart set skills we may have eight of them one of them has to do with honoring yourself and, and then you can really see the best in others but you have to and so sometimes honoring yourself is slow it down forgive yourself when you go off track mm. take the time you need all the tips we've been learning through this pandemic of really self-managing and then you're full in greater ways to really be of service and be of purpose. Mm. Uh, Bryn Drescher connected us because we both used the word heart set and um, she picked up on, on my use of that word in, in our interview. And um, you've coined the term growth heart set. Tell us a bit about growth heart set. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize this until I was in a conference about six years ago when they were talking about mindset and growth mindset and the great work that's been done on that. Mm. And I'm sitting there in a large group of people in New York City, and I'm from California. 
And it just sparked on me, I'm saying, well, what Educare is about is developing the heart. Uh, and it's been said without um, developing the heart, once education is complete, it's more than just the mind. So I spoke out into the room and I said, I don't quite know this yet, but I think there's something to complement mindset, which is a heart set. And someone asked me publicly, well, what is that? Can you tell us? And I knew our work had been that, but I didn't have it articulated clearly. And so since then, we've made it really uh, known to us and shared through professional development and workshops and such of what it is to develop an inner heart set where there's compassion, empathy, forgiveness, understanding. And how do you take that into an environment and build structures and policies to support that? And then kids really, we, I mean, I see that when I look at our kids in action at our schools and I go, there's a joy that's not always present in a lot of classrooms and where the joy gets set and then the learning gets exciting is when there's kindness and empathy in, in us and between us and around us. Uh, and we can do that very intentionally. And it's a habit, it's a training. So um, that's been the work that we've been involved with over the years. And it's been uh, a blessing and a joy for me to be part of it. Hey, my friends, thank you for watching so far. If you're enjoying what you're watching, please do subscribe to our channel and considering sharing this with someone that you love. I also wanted to let you know we've got some incredible merchandise available. We've got tees, we've got hoodies, we've got trucker caps, and our beanies are really popular at the moment. For a great way to show that you're part of this community and that we are always better than yesterday, head to our website. You can check it out in the show notes. And let's get back to the interview. I love that so much. And I, I think one of the things I've been thinking about recently is that the the people that ultimately benefit from my coaching and what the environments I create aren't necessarily my clients. They're the people that experience my client. So if I can help heart-centered leaders lead with heart and love, the people who truly benefit are the are the clients and those who need um, the people that I've served. And, and I guess that's where you're coming in and, and you're supporting educators and trying to create cultures of, of, of this type of work. Um, how do you know the, the I'll have many parents listening to this show. I'll have many leaders in business. And, and I think it all it's all relevant because we're talking about heart and we're talking about people. Mm. How does how does a, a leader start to um enable others? It's it's all well and good us trying to connect with our own growth heart set. How do I as a leader facilitate others through that um transformation? I think a lot of it. Brian, is in the way we, we start to re relate with them. Mm. And that we're giving them what we're talking. So I'll, when we do our teacher training, we say, I know everyone wants a curriculum, but we're not going to provide that yet. We want to develop it. So as a leader, is how do we talk to our staff with more empathy, with more patience, with more forgiveness? Hmm. How do we see the best in them when it's easy to catch them at their worst or our kids at their worst? How do we look for the good? And maybe what's behind the behavior? Uh, a, lot, a lot of what I've often mentioned inside our programs with teachers is, can you look past the behavior? Can you mm -hmm. see the depth of the experience those kids are going through that might now challenge you through crazy behavior? But, and when we can understand that and make a space to 
to talk to them and, and they know that we're on their side and the same thing with our staffs. So it's not, I got you, you're compliant. It's no, I support you, I'm behind you. We're gonna make mistakes, let's learn from that. And that's one of the key elements as a leader that we try to bring in our organization is how do we give you space to make mistakes, to pick yourself up, to learn from them, to receive feedback, to give feedback, to know it's not against you, but we're really here to support each other in honesty because we care about our kids that much. Yeah, that's so powerful. And and I and I know that you you talk about um, enabling your your young people to go on to become responsible citizens, compassionate leaders, and to live their dreams. And what a gift to the world! More compassionate leaders. Yeah, yeah. and one of my greatest joys, Ryan, is. Um, now that we've been in here for 30 plus years to see the students that came through us 10, 15 years ago are now some of Educare's strongest leaders. They're now professionals. They're back in their communities they grew up in. They're Hmm. teaching, they're coaching kids. Um, About 20%, 15 to 20% of our staff had, and of about 300 were our students 10, 15, 20 years ago. And And that's what I would love to happen where people have that natural interest to contribute back. Mm, I have a word for that, and I call it heart print, which is the uh, the legacy of our heart-centered interactions. And and yes. I love the fact that you get to see that heart print. Uh, yeah. in, because many of us, when we do lead with a heart set, we, we, we won't always get to see those ripple effects. But every now and again, one of the waves comes back, and we really get to see. And some of those numbers that you said at the very start, around 300,000, that is... That is a level of heart print that is infinite possibilities. And I'm always uh, <laughs> you know, fortunate and in touch when I get to hear some of the stories from yeah. that are now developed over the years from some of these amazing leaders. Where's your heart set for it? Where does it come from? Say that again, or I didn't get where, it. Where, where's, where's your heart tethered to? You, you know, it's, uh, it seems like a, a heart mission of your own. Where does that come from? I go back, and I've shared this not often, I go back to when I was a little boy, mm. and I would be in my bed at night, and there would be maybe arguments around the house, and all that, and I would pick up on the news, and something inside of me had a little prayer, and I would often say a prayer, I just wish people would be kind, I wish the world would love each other, I wish people mm. would get along. It was very simple, mm. and but it kind of carried me through my early years, and it kind of led me to do things around the neighborhood for other kids, and it just kind of carried it. And I was, uh, I was just, I realized that was part of my life direction right from the get go. And it's, and I'm along the way, I've met wonderful people who just kind of, no, you're not going to be a lawyer or a doctor. Think about being a teacher. That's where your heart takes you, and, and just follow that inner sense of purpose that uh, I've done my best to listen to in different ways throughout the years. I got to see one of your webinars recently and in it you talked about the um the the real gap um there's a yeah. you know on the surface level it looks like the difference in achievements but it's deeper than that what is the real gap yeah yeah and because everyone we all do want our kids to achieve and move ahead but i always would ask our 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 participants what's the real gap what causes an achievement gap and maybe society doesn't love enough to not allow access and equity and opportunities for all kids. 
And if we can take our love to a higher place, there'll be more opportunities. And that achievement cap is going to just go. <laughs> and it's across many, it's more than education. We know that that's a way of society. Of what do we provide for all of our people out of love? So let's somehow each in our own way, heal that love gap. And then there'll be more of us. And I know it's very idyllic, but I've carried that. I believe it. And I see it's happening in, in more organizations, yourself, others who really carry that sense of purpose of love. Mm. I think one of the struggles that, well, obviously you don't have because you've been doing it for 30 years, but one of the struggles I've had bringing heart into the business world is trying to articulate something that so often transcends understanding. Yeah. Talking about emotion and spirit and, and um, you've done a really good job with articulating heart set and the eight skills because those eight skills then become practical. Yes. And, and one of the things that you and I share a belief in is that, um, well, I'll tell you where my belief comes from. There's great work out there by people like Patrick Lencioni that talk about the foundation of all teams. Uh, his work on the five dysfunctions of a team is, is trust. Uh, and then there's work around Google saying, you know, how we should create psychological safety. I think the thing that the business world is skirting around is that the thing that creates all this is unconditional love. Yeah. And I know that you share that belief too. How? And then we bring this concept into the business world. Well, what does that look like, sound like, feel like? How can we create a leadership style, a parenting style, an educational style of unconditional love? Yeah. That's very tricky to, to have that shared and spoken of in a way that people, I think, can take it in. And I think in the last five to 10 years, the word love is not so avoided. Mm. And even in business, I was at a workshop where I led several years ago, and I had the whole room say the word love out loud at the very beginning. And it was shocking. I said, am I going to really do this? I've never done. And I said, let's just test what that brings up to even our even say that word. Yeah. And it, there was laughter, there was shyness, there was everything. And after about a minute of it, we just stopped and said, so what, let's talk about that because we're not talking about romantic, sexual, we're talking about something between people of affinity. And so my work, and, and it was very revealing. So a lot of what I've done is how do we place it into words that people can accept, such as acceptance. So, so unconditional love might be listening more deeply, mm. being more patient. How can we bring a greater sense? When you mentioned trust, um, well, how can I trust someone else if I'm not yet trusting myself? Mm. How do I develop my own trust of my own integrity? Do I live by my word? Can I explain myself in ways that I'm being transparent? So how do we take those terms and put them into action? And then talk about that with our staff, with our teams, with our colleagues. Um, there's some great work out, Transcendent Leadership uh, by Greg Stebbins is one piece of work. There's other work, Mark Samuels, who's a colleague of ours on B State, building trust and, and relationship as a core inside of leadership and business world. And I try to take those inside of the world of education. I've been in some tough meetings lately with how do we get kids back in school now? And, testing and, and, and vaccinations, mm. and there's a lot of heat and a lot of emotion. But if we can really listen, knowing that we're here to serve our kids, we seem to wake, uh, make our way through 
because we all care about our kids mm-hmm. and how to get off of our position to realize there's something bigger than just my point of view here or your point of view here. Mm. It's a really valid point that you just raised around the last, the, the unique situation we faced in the last couple of years. And for an organization that seeks to connect people um, heart to heart, how have you how have you navigated the last two years? How what what's really kind of working well, or what's been really reaffirmed to you um, about your work in the last two years? Thank you for bringing it up because everyone we know is everybody's been challenged in different ways. One of our hard set skills is use everything as a learning opportunity. Turn your challenges into opportunities. And so when we first came into this back in March of 2020. And everyone in my team was wondering, how do we handle it? Are we going to be on campus? Are we going to do it all virtually? And something drove me to say this, as hard as it is individually, one, we're going to pull together. We're going to be here. Be here for yourself. Let's be here for each other. And how creative can we be? So within weeks, we developed virtual classes where we weren't on campuses of kids. We're serving in over 100 schools. How do we do all that quickly virtually? and help them stay connected, which is our key. They'll get the academics, they'll get the enrichment, the arts, the music, the fitness, but can we keep them close and be cared for? And that was our biggest challenge. And uh, we went at it. Uh, And then as kids started to come back into classes with all the social distancing, how do we build that? Uh, Some kids had never seen their class. Their students, they were now in 10th grade. I never met my ninth grade classmates. What am I going to do? So we thought community building was the first piece of healing before we got into academics. So we did over the spring and the summer, a lot of large group community building workshops for kids where they could just enjoy each other, get to know each other, have fun. We'll get to the academics and school said, thank you, because we can't thrust them in there. They won't even turn on to academics until they feel healed, more comfortable, more secure. Mm. And that was our first line of uh, action right there. That's so powerful. That is powerful because there are people (laughs) up and down country feeling the very same, very isolated, disconnected. My wife um, works for a public sector organization that hasn't been in the office for nearly two years. (laughs) There is no social identity. There's no... no, um, uh, community uh, in, in that environment but my view is that there are there's an absence of leadership stepping in to create that virtually how does one do that how, do, how does one keep each other tethered to each other uh, in a world that may be physically isolated well one of our first ways that we went at it and, and i think i saw a lot of organization doing this ryan is to bring ourselves together just to talk. Mm-hmm. We would have weekly just check-ins as groups. And some of them would be fun. I mean, we would try to make light of things, but then we really had to listen. And, and then you put the Black Lives Matter in the middle of that mm-hmm. in that spring, in that summer. And that caused a lot of people's reactions and movement. And we said, let's we need to talk about this as a staff and have to look at it and how we how do we take care of ourselves? And, and so we had people who were struggling. We had people uh, who were dealing with their family and health on death and crisis. And we said, we're going to be there. And so we have a structure 
where we have uh, close-knit conversations inside of our staff. And, and we do that alongside of our business meetings as well. So we put those in together. And we find that's, and now there's a sense of, just what we said, people don't care how much you know, kids don't, our staff don't care how much we do unless we know that we care. And our staff has really come together over these years, as tough as it's been, because we've been there through a lot of the toughness together. Yeah. You know, we've been at funeral services together. Mm-hmm. We've grieved together. We've yelled together when we've been mm-hmm. disagreeing. We've let that all go out and come back around and, and get strong through it. Yeah. I believe great teams can can grow through challenges yeah. and adversity. That's really great to hear that testament. And I guess, you know, quite a lot of my audience will be here in the UK, some in Australia. Let's just assume they don't yet have an educare um, that, that is leading the way in, 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 in a different way of education. What words of inspiration or practical tips would you say, you know, advice that would you give them to uh, to get started on this journey? Yeah, but there's a lot of resources virtually. Mm-hmm. Uh, UC Berkeley, uh, Good Life Science is, is an excellent one. There's other universities who are doing a lot in terms of online. We have online courses and we have webinars. And I would just say find those virtually or in person close to you and take of it and start small. We've always said take a few tips and a few activities, a few practices. We believe that practice turns into habits, but you have to take a small step to even develop a practice. So don't, and um, I know when we started Educare, it was one classroom where my principal said, you can't do this. And I closed the door and we did it anyway. And my kids started to really spark. And he said, what are you doing? You're supposed to teach math. This is 40 years ago. And I said, well, the math is coming and the scores went up, but we have to do first things first, which really tend to what's that inner sense of peace and development for our kids. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I'd like to think that um, everyone's graced with the ability to read a room, be intuitive, you know, maybe is this a, is this, an, uh, I'm just trying to think, you know, is this a, is this a, character values based thing is this to dip your toe in and try it like with the people that you support and you help and you and you develop be this kind of leader in the world what are some of the kind of because because the world's mind drunk i think the world's so intellectual can't do this can't do this and i need to tick these boxes that can so often be a barrier to connecting at the heart like is that something you experience from from helping educators well, I may be a little skewed. I'm in California, <laughs> and there's a great openness to uh, new ideas. Right. But, I, but I've traveled, and in places, and I find this is universal. If I can find a few allies, supporters, who carry a view that this possibility of a growth mindset, of a growth heart set, of changing a culture, of an organization or a school, I'll let them, I'll say, those are those I'll, I'll come up close to. So I would invite people as we're reading, as we're learning, as we're online with one another, is to gravitate to those of like nature. And I'm finding things we're doing now in education, we couldn't have touched 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm. I didn't have a word for it, but I knew this early on. And I had to really maneuver who is gonna gravitate to this. And now I'm finding, and I believe it to be true, there's a lot in, in our world that's looking for this right now and, it's gra- and do, doing it in their own way. There's mm-hmm. commissions on social emotional learning, 
there's a whole lot in trauma-informed practices, transcendent leadership, transformative education, positive psychology. There's a lot out there that's, I think, in the same field of how do we really uh, open the heart and bring that into education. Mm, that's really powerful. Where can people connect with you? Where can they find out more about the great work that you do in the world? Yeah, we would love to connect with people in all parts of the world. Uh, our website, www.educarefoundation.com. And, and they can contact me directly at stu, S-T-U, at educarefoundation.com. That's amazing. And we love to have affinity partners in all parts of the world. I'll share that all in the in the show notes. And um, I'd just love to know, what does the phrase always better than yesterday inspire in you? Yeah, I thought of that. And um, to me, it inspires optimism. Mm. It inspires learning, a willingness to learn from yesterday. Because it's not just, oh, I wish tomorrow's going to be better. But what can I take from yesterday to make tomorrow better? How do I have that ability to learn and grow and develop? So, and uh, so I, I, think, I see it as a theme of learning and optimism and hope, which uh, I'm reminded uh, sometimes people say that's pie in the sky. But unless we carry that, it's easy to get sucked into woe is me and, and we're, all, we're on a downward swing. But as hard as things are, I think always better than yesterday is that sense of hope and optimism. Mm. To leave us with a sense of hope and optimism, I'd be honoured if you'd share us a story from one of those uh, people that you have gone through your Educare services, maybe over the years, and, and now they're now part of your team. I'd, love, I'd be honoured if you'd share us a story, if you may. Wow. There's a lot. I'm, I'm seeing kids in front of my face. Uh, well... There's one, and people can see his story on our website. His name is Eldrick Bone. Um, I met him when I was still actively doing a lot of our programs when he was a, a ninth grader. And that's now about 20, almost 25 years ago. Uh, he lived in a closet in a poor home. And, and his, not that his family didn't care, but there was no room. And that was, he said, I'll make the closet my room. Mm -hmm. And he came to school in trouble but he had something in him that we all saw. And uh, I would kid him at our first workshop. I said, Eldred. Uh, and he, came, he, he all of a sudden he realized past his humor was his pain and past his pain was his power. And he started to grow into his power during high school, became, uh, he always said, you know, I was the prom king and I was the class president. But besides his bravado, which he always had, he had a heart that was, Beautiful. Uh, he went on to college, became uh, a sports announcer. Uh, and he was now working with our kids for a lot of years. He was a facilitator. His father came down very ill. And he said, I'm going to have to leave Educare because his business as a plumber is falling apart. So for the last five years, he's, he's ran his father's plumbing business. And at the same time, he's now on our Educare board because his example, he bought his mom a house. He and he said, but my heart's always with the community. So he took himself in all ways, and now he's back with us as one of our board members, all of 35 years old. And uh, when I talk to him, I'm just lifted by uh, the power of his goodness and the direction of his purpose in life to give back.
That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I really, um, really touched by that. I'd be honored if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self. Oh, wow. Well, I just, I just wish, I, in fact, I wrote it down. I had a board member write to me. Uh, they said, you know, my hope uh, for this year for all of our kids in our schools is the joy and the gratitude, uh, but also the optimism that things are on its way to be better if we want to hold that to be better. So my wish for all of us is that we take care of ourselves mm. in a way that we also hold uh, the possibility that our world is moving through such challenge, uh, but we're on a way of learning and growth and development together. And I, and I think love is carrying us forward through this if we, if we turn to it. Yeah. I appreciate that, Stu. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ryan. Pleasure.